Well, pray with me, if you would, this morning. Lord, thank you for your goodness in our life, your faithfulness, your, your grace, your, your closeness that you dwell with us. Lord, thank you uh, for being here with us, Lord, that we could just lift up your name and fame. We love to sing your praise because you have been so good to us in our lives. And even in the difficulties of our life, Lord, you have promised to be with us. You've promised that you are here with us, and so you here with us in difficulties. We know that we have hope in our lives. So God, I just pray that you would use the remainder of our time this morning uh, as a blessing to your name and your fame, an encouragement in our life, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am clearly not Chad Merrill, Pastor Chad, uh, and it's sure good to be with you. Uh, I want to thank Chad. I asked him, hey, could I share with our church family at some point while I'm here? And he said, of course you can. I, I didn't want to burden you with, with too many asks, and so I, I didn't ask. But uh, since if you'd like to, we'd love to have you share, and, and I'm glad uh, to be able to be here with you this morning. Uh, back from Thailand, but you know, most of you know I've been home for a little bit. We got here in December, and so we've enjoyed going through the holidays and then um, being here with our church family. And we've been running around the valley uh, sharing at different churches and um, connecting with friends that we've had for many years. And so it's always nice to be here um, with you. It's especially nice to be able to share with you about what God's been doing in Thailand. I did notice in your um, bulletin, paper, whatever this is, that there are some sermon notes. Uh, here's what I would challenge you to do this morning. I'd be grateful if you would do this. Every time that you hear me note a prayer request, if you would just write that person's name down or that prayer request in the sermon notes, that would be, if you wanted to remember something from this morning, that would be a blessing to me, meaning that maybe when you see our prayer card uh, that we have available to you, um, that you would remember to pray for some of the things on this list as well. And if you haven't gotten an updated prayer, prayer card, we have one in the back. We'd love for you to take one and stick it on your refrigerator or whatever. We shared you with one, one with you a number of years ago, and we were all just four years younger. For those of you who don't know me well, uh, I was a, on pastoral staff here for 13 years, and it was about five years ago, standing right here, that uh, Barry uh, allowed me to preach and share, and I, um, well, I guess it's probably post-Barry now that I think about it, uh, and I just asked this church if they would send my family to Thailand. They would partner with us and be with us. One of the answers that we didn't have in our lives was, why would God send us from First Godsdale? We loved it here. We, I mean, we did 13 years here. And his answer was, you're not leaving, they'll send you. And I just, and I was grateful. And I, and I want to say thank you to the pastors who have been here, uh, Chad especially. I want to say thank you, uh, a big thank you. And I can thank so many people, but I want to thank the Mitchell family. Uh, they have done so incredibly well for us. I mean, it was like every month it seemed I was getting a card. I don't know where the Mitchells are, but I just love you guys. Uh, my daughter was with Jamie and Ju uh, Julie, uh, Jamie and Jennifer this weekend. They took her out for just a special weekend, and we're just so thankful for them being on the missions committee and, and connecting us together and keeping us connected. Thank you for so many of you who say I read that little uh, portion in the uh, kitchen, is it kitchen sink or first details or, yeah, the happening, sorry, um, about, about what we're, what, what's going on. I was mentioning to Marilyn this morning, because the church has been so gracious to put that little uh, paragraph, you know, that little part in there about us. We have a record of like the last four years of our life. It did, you know, it just dawned on me. We've submitted something like every week. 
And so it's really interesting to go, I'm compiling them. I'm like, hey, that's like, you know, the last four years of our life. So thank you for being a church uh, that special. My parents are here this morning. I'm not going to make them stand or anything. But if you, if you know them, they've been here many times supporting me. Uh, I love them. I'm grateful. That's one of the things that you can write down in that little box this morning if you want to get it started. Pray for my folks. Uh, as you can imagine, it's not easy to send their favorite son <coughs> of four children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Thailand, uh, and there are four grandkids uh, as well, so, um, and they're just, you know, my dad was actually in the hospital this week, I know he wouldn't want me to share that, and I'm sorry if that embarrasses you, Adam, but pray for, pray for just their health, and, and we're, just, we're just so grateful to be here uh, back with them and to spend time with them as well. I know many of you know me, but I'll give you a, uh, just a quick recap of Thailand. Actually, this picture up in the corner, you can see the world map. It's not easy to see because it's small, but that is the, the dark green part actually there on that world map is Southeast Asia. You wouldn't be able to tell particularly Thailand exactly, but it's sort of connected to the mainland there. Uh, about four years ago, well, right at four years ago, we, uh, me and my family got in a plane. We headed to northern Thailand. We're not down on those beautiful beaches. We're up in the mountains, up near China, and we began to learn Thai, and for two years, uh, Thai, learning Thai, as you can imagine, learning any foreign language to the level where you can pray for people that you meet and read uh, the Bible and share the gospel and be able to do some storytelling and basic discipleship is pretty tough, and, and it doesn't make it any easier that Thai is uh, one of the most difficult languages for native English speakers to learn. Uh, and I didn't know that, and my ignorance was bliss for a while, and then it, it, it really laid in, and I thought, man, this is really tough to learn this language. Uh, the word my, 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 and my are five different words in Thai. They're not even close to being the same. They're all different, and it depends on what tone you use. Uh, let me share a little bit of Thai with you, because I, people ask me, what does Thai sound like? Or I think their way of trying to get me to speak a little bit Thai is, do you and Katie speak Thai at home? Which we usually don't. Sometimes we share, we speak Thai with each other. But, and some of you have heard me speak Thai before, but I'm grateful for uh, the ability to have learned it. So I would say something like, <clears throat> if we were going out, I'd say, uh, <laughs> will not perish but have eternal life. And I said that when we, when our family goes out to share Jesus, we'll start with John 316. After that, we'll tell them that Jesus is true, that everyone has sin. Sin cannot be removed by doing good things. And this is a big one for Buddhist people, and I'll share that in a little bit. But Jesus died on the cross and rose again in three days, and anyone who puts their faith and trust in him can have eternal life. This is what we were sent to do. If you would have, all of you who knew me, I was reminiscing with Marilyn this morning. I was 25 years old when I started this church. I grew up here. I had no kids when I started here. I have four kids now. And here I am. And I don't know how that Yahoo youth pastor turned out speaking Thai on the other side of the world. I don't, I don't really know how it happened, but that's what happened over the last few years of our life. I want to share with you from John chapter 8 this morning. I want to thank this church for being the kind of church that not only supported us for the last number of years while we are gone, but supports the cooperative program and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which those may be curmudgeon-y, Baptist-y words to some of you, 
But those are, the, those are the, the things that help us stay focused on learning to speak Thai with Thai people and learning to share Jesus with them in their heart language. So thank you for your giving to those offerings. John 8, chapter 12 says, Then Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Jesus is the only light. If he's the light of the world, he's the only light. There isn't another light to be had. There's not more light to be found. If Jesus is the only light, then everything else isn't that light. Consequently, everything else is darkness. There might be, there might be remnants of God's perfection and his creation in those things, but apart from Jesus, Jesus removed from the world, there is no light in the world. It becomes a very dark place, is why Jesus says in the next statement, They'll never walk in darkness because the absence of Jesus is, the absence of God is darkness in our world. Interestingly, in chapter 7 of, we're in Mark, uh, John chapter 8, in chapter 7, Jesus is, uh, at this time, he's in the uh, tabernacle. It's the, it's the Feast of Tabernacles at the time. <clears throat> I, I read some history about this. Actually, in verse 20, it says that they were near the place where the offerings were being put. Jesus is in the tabernacle. They, I read that historically they used to light these torches and they'd put them all around uh, the tabernacle in, in representation of Jesus, the Messiah who was to come. And here Jesus is standing, as you can imagine, among those torches that were lit, saying, I am the light of the world. They had come and they saw those torches. It'd be like us having Christmas decorations up. I don't want to make a poor analogy, so I'm not going to take it too far. But, and them seeing all those lights and realize, oh, there, that, that's reminding me, that's there to remind me that one day, and Jesus saying, I'm the light, here I am, right here. I'm not pointing to another way or some, some good way. I'm not here to say someone's coming after me or there's a policy you need to follow or a religion. I am the way, is what he's saying. And it would have been painfully evident to them who were there at that time. He says that <clears throat> if Jesus is the only light, then we are all in need of that light. And I'll tell you what, there's, there's darkness to be had in this world, and I think that most of us have probably been in a dark place in our life. But if, but if Jesus is the only light, then everyone needs the light of Christ in their life. And the truth is, I think everybody, whether they know it or not, they want similar things in life. I mean, I really do believe that whether you're in Scottsdale, Arizona, or you're in Thailand, or wherever you are, that you want peace and hope and purpose. I believe people really want that in their life. And it's evident that people look for it in all kinds of places, in alcohol, in their work, in things that aren't, they're looking for something to satisfy, all of us want something that's satisfying, and the things that are satisfying to us, really truly satisfying, are those things. We really do need Jesus' hope in our life, because we don't want to walk in darkness. You know, I was at a church recently uh, that the pastor was speaking around um, uh, doing um, uh, New Year's resolutions, sorry, breaking habits, doing new habits. And, and he said that, uh, that most people think that when they start a new habit or when they, when they try to do something new, they think that the line goes kind of like, like at a 45-degree angle up the chart of time and change. You know, they think like if I, if I eat less than the scale, I mean, this is, I mean, I'm going the wrong direction, but the scale will drop, my weight will drop, and I'll, then I'll eat a little bit, you know, I'll eat less, and the scale will drop, and it'll look like a 45-degree trajectory, but what science tells us is that what really happens is when we start a new habit is that 
the trajectory, if this is a flat line, the trajectory, instead of going like this, it goes kind of up a little bit, up a little bit, and then it really curls up after a time. And so there's this, if I can make this with my hand, there's this trajectory that we think is going to happen, and then there's sort of this arch that goes like this. It, we do see a little bit of results, but the difference, the, the distance between my two, what I think is going to happen and what actually happens in science says, the distance between my, my um, wrists, by the way, this area here, they call that the valley of despair. Because we think we're going to get results. I mean, we're going to start working out. And believe me, I know, because that's been my New Year's resolution, is to start getting a little bit healthier and lose some weight and work out. And I think I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start doing this. Yes. And I'm kind of doing more like this. And it's little, little, little progress. And what happens is that, that, that first time, it just takes so long. And then what usually happens? Eh, it didn't work. Eh, that, that workout thing, that didn't work. Eating better forget it, pizza tastes better, you know, kind of thing. And we get to the, and we're in the valley of despair, we don't see anything happening. Well, I can tell you this, <clears throat> that when Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, the darkness that Jesus is talking about is greater than our New Year's resolutions to lose a little bit of weight, the darkness that we may feel in the valley of despair when we don't drop the pounds. Now, I don't mean to diminish any of the darkness that we face in our life. I'm talking about some of those little things in our life that bug us, some of those little darknesses that we face, we have had big darknesses. And that's the kind of thing that Jesus wants to be with us through. He wants to have us escape them in reality in a way that it's almost as if though we never walked them. If you are walking with Christ through a dark moment, your darkness is much less dark than you think. And that's Jesus' point here. And then he says, but they will have the light of life. The light of life. I don't know about you, but I want the light of life in my life. It just sounds good. The opposite would be the, the darkness of death. Okay, I don't want that in my life, that's for sure. The light of life that Jesus is talking about here is that John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that have life and I'll have it to the full. It's that John 15.5. I'm the vine and you're the branches. He remains in me, will bear much fruit. It's the Romans uh, 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus because by the law of the spirit of life have been set free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in our life. That's the kind of light that Jesus wants to put in your life. It's the kind of light that there were days in the first couple years in Thailand that I certainly needed when I was trying to learn about this new people and this new culture and what in the world I was going to do to try to figure out how to share the gospel with people. Now, some of you may not have, some of you may know very well what a light, the average day of a, of, a, of a missionary looks like. Some of you might be thinking, hey, it's the, the missionaries that I know wear the white shirts and the black ties, and perhaps I look too much like them this morning. And they have those little badges right here, and they ride around on bicycles. Okay, I, I don't blame you. We're kind of in that, that area of the world. Uh, <clears throat> that's, that, I'd like to give you just a, a picture, sort of, of, of what our life looks like. And there's some people here up on the screen that I'd like to share with you about uh, who have been kind of part of our, uh, impacted by our ministry or really impacted by the light of life. But on Wednesday nights, uh, our whole family goes out to a village together. We get up in the car, we go out to a village. It's only about three miles from our house. And we do what looks like a backyard Bible club. There are no believers in that village. On Monday night, I put one of my kids on the back of my motorbike and we cruise across town about 10 miles. And we go to another uh, village. I call them village because the people live village style. It's really not that far. We're in kind of a big city. Uh, it's sort of inner city village life, but the people there, they cook outside still. They squat down and cook their meat over a sort of an open fire barbecue kind of thing. And uh, 
and they live in, in very uh, meager, meager existence. A 10 by 10 room is what most of them get. They're migrant workers coming in to, to uh, have uh, better opportunity. Uh, and then um, on the weekends, one weekend a month, I head up into the mountains, and uh, we sleep up there, and we go from house to house, village to village, and we share. That would probably be uh, like what Chad experienced, and maybe he had an opportunity to share a little bit about that with you uh, in, his, in his trip and the time that we were there. And then my wife uh, also does a crisis pregnancy outreach center, which you know is connected with the uh, Baptist Ch Children's Services here in, in the Valley. And then in between time, we train our national partners, and we prayer walk our city in, in designated places, and we uh, gather with teams that come in, and we uh, strategize about ministry, and we spend time with our national believing partners and pastors. And I wanted to share with you uh, a few stories, and you may have heard these a little bit before as we shared them, but they're true, and they're what God did, and it's amazing how God works. And the first one is the, the two guys that are sort of squatting down there. The one who's sort of off the screen is is a, a national believing pastor. He's a Christian. He's one of the pastors. And we travel up to this mountain. Uh, we go up on top of this mountain in the mountain ridge. And the, the ridges, the mountain, we four by four up as far as we can go. If we get stuck, we get out, we walk. If we get all the way up there, great. But they're just sort of the ridges of these mountains. And you kind of drive about 30 minutes and you can hit another ridge and another ridge 30 minutes. And these people live up and there's maybe 50 homes on each ridge. And we were driving our car into this community. We hadn't even found a place to stop the car yet. We were creeping in, looking for a place to park. And the guy who in, in the blue pants, his name is Mr. Moo, he walked up to our vehicle. He said, just walked up while the vehicle was moving up to the driver's door and said, please come right now to my house right there. I was waiting for you to return since the last time you had come. I want to receive Jesus immediately. Please come now. Now. We, the, we erupted in praise, we, part, we just stuck the car somewhere, turned it off, we grabbed nothing but our Bibles, we walked over on his porch, you can see the Buddhist amulets and bracelets that he has around his neck, he, we cut those off of him, he prayed to receive Christ, he joined us for church the next day, the next month when we came up, about three weeks later, we rolled into the community, and Mr. Mu had died and departed this earth, he knew his life was numbered. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But he found Christ just in time. There is an, that is the urgency that speaks to me every day. You know, leaving everything you know and love in America and going overseas only requires you to say, Lord, it has to be worth it, God. You have to make it worth it for me to be here. I have to be submissive and, and obedient to your will enough that my life is used for you or I just go back to the states where I know what makes more sense to me. Uh, the second person I'd like to share with you is my wife. Right below that is you can see my wife sitting on the couch. My wife actually led a, a gal to the Lord. Not this gal, but another lady to the Lord. But this is, a, before we left Thailand, this is another girl. Her name is Cartoon. So if you can remember in that box, Mr. Moo, and this is Cartoon. Cartoon is 14 years old. It's difficult to tell from this picture, perhaps. But she is nine months pregnant. And her 18-year-old boyfriend and her have no idea what's about to happen to them in their life. My daughter's 14. That's a 14-year-old sitting on the couch. This is my wife's first client at the Crisis Pregnancy Outreach Center. This is my wife spending time with her, sharing with her about how to care for a child, prenatal care, all the things that a 14-year-old mom wouldn't have a clue about. And that's not to disparage single mothers or 14-year-old mothers. It's just to say that she's just unsure what to do, and that's how my wife and her got connected. The ladies on my wife's large team that are working uh, to 
meet with girls like this, are sharing the gospel with these girls. They're telling them about Christ's love. Cartoon has not received Christ, to our knowledge, to this day. But she did have her baby in, in uh, mid-December of last year. And my wife's team is going to walk with her for a couple years beyond that. They have a plan to be with these girls and help them and their families. And to help them to know that Christ has a plan for their life. The upper corner is a, is a man named um, Mr. Doan. We were at an evangelism training event um, in Bangkok at the, right before we came back here to Thailand. About a, a couple months before we came, excuse me, came back here to America. And uh, they, at that evan- evangelism event, they were basically saying, you know, you've had some time to learn, your, learn Thai and share with Thai people about Jesus. And, and now we want to help you in, our, in the best way we know how to reach Buddhist people. Our uh, religious makeup in Thailand is 95% Buddhist. It's basically everybody. There's a saying to be Thai is to be Buddhist. We have a, a 1% Christian maybe uh, that high, and then uh, some, some Islam and a little bit of other religions, but it, basically everyone's there. Highest concentration of Buddhists in the world lives in Thailand. And we were at an evangelism conference, and two of the three days we were supposed to go, we were supposed to be out Monday and Wednesday sharing the gospel. And me and Katie went out Monday and Tuesday, and... We looked at each other on Wednesday, and we had all our kids with us, and we're like, oh, I know we're supposed to go out. They're probably going to ask us about it tomorrow, but, man, we went out. We already did our two days. Everybody else is going out to just do their second day today on Wednesday, you know, and we've already been to, so let's just stay. We could just go to the pool at the, at the hotel we're staying at in, in Bangkok. Let's not fuss with that. And the reason why I share with you that is because we're no different than you when it comes to sharing the gospel sometimes. Don't you say that, oh, my neighbor, I see him out again, or... I just don't want to go to that third place in my life, or that, who's my one? I just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm nervous, I don't know what to say. Same thing, and and we're in the zone, man, we're there, we're there to do that, we had just done it for two days. So we get on a, we get on a tuk-tuk, a little three-wheel motorcycle thing, my whole family, I'm so cheap, we didn't pay for two, but, you know, we crammed all six of us into one, and we're driving over, we we decided we would go to the park, and and I thought, hey, this is interesting, I paid for this tuk-tuk, and I'm sitting like, this far from the guy's head in front of me, you know, my, my ears to his. So I'm going to share the gospel with him, like, <clears throat> and, and he's kind of a captive audience. I mean, he can't go anywhere. He's got to take us to the park. And I had about four minutes, five minutes till we got to the park. So, so I really, I just kind of puked the gospel on him, you know, hey, here's the gospel. I want to give it to you. And I said, what do you, what do you think about that? And, and at the evangelism conference, we were trained to share the gospel and share with it to the point of where we would say, prom my prom are ready are you ready to receive faith in Jesus? That is a question that's really like, you got to have an answer for that. Or, or, and, and, and this guy said, no, I'm Buddhist. Okay, no problem. I go, I, my whole family got out of that tuk-tuk at the park feeling like, oh, we had done our duty. If anybody asks, I can say I shared with the guy in the tuk-tuk. Oh, good me. I'm a good missionary. Good, good day today. Way to really break it down for the Lord for four minutes. And so I got out, and we're walking through what is like Bangkok. It's like a Central Park, but in Bangkok. I didn't realize how big this park was and how significant, but there's thousands of people walking through this gigantic, miles-wide park. And we're uh, making kind of a beeline for the uh, swing set to just play with the kids. And we're walking through a big group of people, you know, kind of doing one of these things where you're walking around and getting through people. And this guy right here, he says, hey, how's it going? Well, in reality, he says, sawadikhap, sawadikhap, which is hello. In Thai, we don't shake hands. We, we do, like, prayer hands, which I love. It makes me feel even more spiritual. And he said, sawadikhap. And my, all my kids, sawadikhap. And he said, wow, your kids are so respectful. And I think he basically meant, why are Western kids 
how do they know how to do all this, you know, you know, pleasantry? And it would be a little bit like someone sticking out their hand to shake it with you and then you not shaking it to not return that. So as you can imagine, and he said, would you mind if I spoke with you? And I'm like, holy smokes. I was, I was like, I was just trying to go have some fun at the park and I knew I should be out here sharing with people. I didn't really want to. And God brought someone to speak with me. And I was like, well, would you believe? And I said, sure, let's speak right over, let's sit right over here. I said, can you, you, you know, just take the kids to the swings? And they were just right over there. And we sat on this park bench, and we're just like this far apart. You know, park benches aren't very big. And, and Mr. Doan, Doan began to share with me about the difficulties he was facing in his life. I don't know if I just looked like a pleasant ear. I'm sure it was interesting to him that I spoke Thai. And he did ask me about that. And he said, you know, four years ago, I moved away from my family. I'm divorced. I haven't seen my daughter in four years. I went down to the islands in southern Thailand to find work, and that's dried up, and I've come back up to Bangkok, and it's difficult here even in the big city to find work as well. And I said, in the evangelism training that I had been in the, that morning, they had said, just be bold with the gospel. And I sort of felt like, wow, this is like a freebie. God brought one to me. I mean, I didn't have to work hard for it, so God has brought it. I said, I'm going to say the most bold thing I can to this guy. And I said, Mr. Doan, I believe that God brought you, sent you to speak with me on this park bench today so that I could tell you the most important message you'll ever hear in your whole life. Are you interested in hearing it? And he said, yes, yes, of course I am. And I began to tell him uh, all those things I shared with you, that Jesus is real, that we all have sin. And I said, Mr. Doan, do you have sin? He said, uh, yeah. And actually, in, in just in a moment of honesty, he said, yeah, and lots of it. It's about a guy my age, I guess, and I said, uh, I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, you know, your sin cannot be removed by doing good things. What will you do? He said, well, I'll just make merit. Buddhism is, uh, is uh, merit. They, they try to do good. It's literally sort of the scales. They, Buddhists try to do good so that they can get out of the pain and suffering of life, reach nirvana and enlightenment and be out of that circle of life. And he said, I'll do merit. And I said, let me, I just in a bold moment, I said, and he could have just answer totally differently than this, but I said, Mr. Doan, if you stop doing sin from this day, and you never made one more sin your whole life, let's say, and you only made merit the rest of your existence, would you make enough merit to be enough? And the Holy Spirit was there, I'm telling you, he just looked me right in the face and said, no. I said, then you have a big problem, because the Buddhism that you adhere to has no hope for you. Even it can't provide you what you need. And I said, you know what, you're just like me. There was a point where I looked at my own sin, and I said, there's nothing that I can do to get rid of this sin. And I said, uh, did you know that Jesus is true and you have sin and you can't get rid of it yourself, but dying on the cross, Jesus, can, Jesus rose again to forgive you your sin. You put your faith and trust in him. He can forgive your sin, give you peace in this life and in a future. And I said, do you want to receive Christ as your Savior? Prom, teacher, up to you. And I prayed, yes, am I? And he said, prom, ready. And I said, well, then let's pray. And I, he said, pray. I don't know what, what's that. And I said, just pray these things. And I walked down on my, my fingers again. And he goes, okay. I said, go ahead. And he said, uh, what are we praying? And I said, Jesus is true. You have sinned. Can't get rid of it. Jesus died on the cross for sin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He goes, you have sinned. You can't get rid of it yourself. He goes, all right, I'm ready. And that's exactly what he did. I, he prayed and received Christ on that park bench in, in Thailand Central Park. I taught him how I would pray, and I told him to find a church, and he looked at me at the end of that, and he looked, he just leaned into me. I mean, we're this far apart on a park bench, and he said, Todd, I will never follow Buddhism again. I will only follow Jesus, and then I don't know why he said, he looked at me again. He said, Todd, I will never follow.
follow Buddha again. I will only follow Jesus. That is the Lord Jesus in our life that changes something like that. I think I had no idea who he would meet that day. Final story is these three ladies. This is the camp that we go to every Wednesday in, in, in town. They are sitting at this table learning about, learning to speak Thai. They're actually Myanmar migrants into Thailand. They, they go to work. They want to understand their Thai bosses better. Our national partner teaches them Thai every uh, Friday night. And I told our national believing partner that goes with us out here uh, what happened to me on the park bench. And she said, would you come out and share the exact same thing with these ladies? And I said, sure, I will. This was the Friday before we left Thailand to come to America. <clears throat> And I went out, I sat with these three ladies, and I shared with them, and it was really kind of awesome to be able to share, hey, one of your countrymen named Mr. Doan, I shared with him on a park bench these simple things, what do you think? And the gal in the blue shirt in the middle, she looked at kind of the ladies like, I, I, I kind of agree with what he's saying, like, but what do, you, what do you girls think? If you girls do it, I'll, I'll do it, like, kind of thing. And I just let the question, are you ready to receive faith in Christ, just sort of linger in the air. And the silence was long enough. I said, well, listen, Doe is here. Our national partner's name is Doe. I said, Doe is here. If you have any questions about receiving faith in Christ, you can always ask her. It's been such a pleasure to be with you every week. I'm headed to America for about six months. I'll see you again every week when we get back. I left when the Saturday morning, we arrived here in America on a Friday, another, another Friday morning. On a Saturday morning, I woke up. I picked up my cell phone. And wouldn't you believe it, my national believing partner, uh, Crudo sent me a message and said, Todd, we've prayed for four years, for four years for one believer in Lana Village. And me and my wife had looked at this many times. Are we done here? Is this one of those, can we shake the dust off our feet and just go to another place? We've been here week after week, 45, 48, depending on the Sunday, uh, Wednesdays a week, depending on the rain, and not one believer. And we got that message and it said, we now have three believing ladies in Lana Village. These three ladies have come to know Christ personally. Praise the Lord. We just sometimes we ask for God's little candle wick, just a little cigarette lighter worth of light. And God says, I'm going to shine light like you wouldn't believe, Todd. You just be faithful. You be faithful to the light of life. And I'm going to end with this this morning. God is the light of life in our lives, and He wants us to follow Him in our life. If you're someone here who hasn't had uh, an opportunity to receive Christ, then those four fingers, those things on my four fingers that sort of I've shared, those are the same call to you. You reach ties for Jesus the same way you reach Americans for Jesus, by sharing the gospel with them. Missionaries come in all shapes and sizes. In a room this big, there's likely somebody who was like me 50, uh, five, seven years ago who started feeling the draw to Christ. If you're a 25-year-old, if you're a 35-year-old, if you're a 75-year-old, there is a call for you to go overseas in missions. Jesus says in one of, the la one of the rare times that Jesus in the Bible tells exactly what to pray for in a scripture that's well known to us all, he says, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. There is a sense that I get when I read this that says that there's a I, I overlooked this massive field of, of harvested wheat, and there's like a room of us, a couple hundred of us this morning. And if we had to go harvest that wheat, there'd be no chance. We might get through a couple, few acres, I don't know, 50 acres, but we would never get to the whole thing. And I, it's like Jesus saying, I'm telling you what to ask for. Ask for workers to be sent, because there are people that if they're not sent, that harvest field will not be harvested. So thank you for sending our family. Thank you for praying for us, for loving us, for taking care of us. But I, 
My challenge to you this morning is simply, if God hasn't walked into your light and provided the light that he is in your life, then come to him for that in little ways in your life. If you're a believer, share, give, pray, go, and send. Share with those around you. Maybe it's just saying, I love you. Maybe it's saying, I'm praying for you. Maybe it's saying, have you ever heard about Jesus? Maybe it's saying, have you ever heard what the Bible says about how to know Jesus? Maybe it is, are you ready to receive faith in Christ? And for those of you who may be experiencing God like I did in my life and our family, then go. Go to the world that needs workers into the harvest. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for being our God this morning. We love you. We lift up your name and fame. You're so good. You do, you do miracles in our sight and reality, God. You, you make us think sometimes, or we, we get to thinking, not you make us think, Lord, we get to thinking that we don't know where you are. We're, we're, we're struggling through language school in a foreign country. We're, we're walking through a difficult situation with our family, with our kids, with our jobs, with our school, with so many things, and our eyes get unfocused, and we, the world closes in around us a little bit, and it feels dark, Lord, but you are here with us. For those who have received you as, as Savior, you are the light in our life, and we have you, and you don't depart from us, Lord. You've promised to be with us, and so we cling to that promise this morning, Lord. We thank you for your goodness in our life. We thank you for the things that you're doing around us. Lord, I pray that we would, as we walk out those doors in the back of this room this morning, that we would be the light of life to people in this world who so desperately need you, and that we would, like we sang in various ways this morning, Lord, that we need you every hour in our life. We need you to help us to see who we are when the world tells us that we're not the thing that you tell us that we are, Lord, would we remember that you tell us that we are your children, called into your own priesthood, holy, set apart, beloved, in your grip, unremovable from you and close to you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.